Hello, my name is Ben. My name's Chris. And we are the hosts of the Too Vague Podcast. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about the word spy. The word spy. What does that mean to you, Chris? Uh, spy, spy, spy. So, you know, I think everybody has the sort of classical definition of spy, which means, you know, as a verb to, to look at something, right? Right. Um, to see. To see. I espy something, right? If you're using the classical yieldy English. Do you use yieldy English? I use yieldy anytime I have to use English. Um, yieldy English, it's the only thing for those tough stains. Uh. Um, I, 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 you know, I've always loved spy stories, I'll be honest with you. I like the idea of getting away with something. Uh-huh. I like the idea of, of cool men and women doing cool, crazy things for cool, patriotic reasons. Okay, so patriotism, not necessarily for their own gain. Right. Well, I mean, if let's face it, if it's you know, there's a, there's a there's a fine line between being a spy and being a thief. Right. Exactly. And uh, you know, it's it's who you're doing it for. That's right. That's right. And there are some genre conventions like action and and you know, obviously James Bond is is usually everybody's biggest spy touchstone. But right. You know, I like I've read a lot of spy fiction, a lot of English spy fiction. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Len Dayton uh, and uh, John Le Carre. Uh, two of my favorites, and they paint a very different picture of, of basically, you know, most spies are, are bureaucrats. Right. 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 And, paper and pushers. Paper pushers who have to do some of the more mundane tasks of, you know, picking up a folder in a dirty-ass mailbox, you know, right. while it's freezing outside at 3 a.m. Right. You know, you can't you can't all be, uh, you can't all be driving off in uh, speedboats with Playboy bunnies. Right. Right. And, and also have all sorts of crazy gadgets. Right. Well, which is, which is kind of a misnomer. Like you, you think I think that's one of the things that uh, the James Bond series did for spies, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you've got all these crazy gadgets that right. you use, and all these, it's you know, it's thrills and danger, right. and it's like, no, that's not really what it is. It's like, oh, hey, I'll just go get a laser watch from the dude downstairs. Like they've got just like laser watches stacked up, yeah, like these. <laughs> Like, like in all the world, the people inventing laser watches are doing it for James Bond. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. But no, so they—that's where. Yeah. Oh look, it's it's an inflatable rhino. Use push this button and it turns from a steno pad into a hot air balloon. Yeah. You know that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. MI six. They've got us. <laughs> man, they've, with they've it, got some budget oversight if, issues. Listen, I if think we, is what's... if we lose MI six, the whole. <laughs> Laser watch market is going to go is, in the toilet. It is going to crater. It is going to go in the toilet, and I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to we got to switch to something. What I are mean, we going to start making? I mean, you're going to have to start put. I mean, you're, everybody's going to have a laser watch. No, yeah, you're going to have to start putting Digimon on the damn things to make them desirable again. Yeah, I don't know. Either that, or we could also do like a thing where it monitors your heart rate. Or, or lets you make phone calls. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. did I did appreciate that commercial back when I think when they first came out with the it wasn't even Apple's iWatch, it was the one that came after that. Uh-huh. The, the off brand was Samsung, maybe? I don't know. Whoever. But they basically their commercial for their for their their uh their their watch right. thingy was a bunch of film clips 
of people talking into their wrist communicators. And it was like, <laughs> they had Star Trek, the motion picture. They had Shatner talking into a Starfleet wrist communicator from the seventies film. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool. We are truly living in the future. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, listen, we've all got communicators in our pockets. Right. Now. Right. And also, and some of us are nerdy enough to have installed the communicator sound effects pack. What's be... got two thumbs? <laughs> what's got <laughs> what's got two thumbs and all the nerd cred in the world? This guy. Excellent. Anyway. So, so well, laser watches. There's, there's there's a thing with um with the spy genre in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if you ever played did you ever play there was a game that um the Dungeons and Dragons um Top Secret. Top Secret, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you ever get into involved in that? I at did. All? I did play some Top Secret back in the day. Yeah, and I know that James Bond had a, a company made a James Bond game. They did that. Um, I was mostly into just all the tech. Yep. I was into all the cars that they had in it, and just looking at the stuff. Yeah. For me, it was oh, not yeah. about playing it. It was about that. Oh, listen, I look. look let's can, can we do some real talk here? Okay. Can we? Can we? Can we just? Can we just? Pull the curtains aside. Yeah, you, you're, in, listening you're in a you're in a safe space. I'm fantastic. I feel. I don't I feel think the, safe. I don't think the cats will say anything. I mean, real talk. Ninety percent of us who read RPG source books right. in the '80s never got as far as actually playing it. Yeah, like I, like when you say I was in it for the tech and looking at the cool blueprints and shit like like that is all I ever did with right. any of the role playing books I had. For me, yeah. For me, it was like that and character creation oh for sure and and um and maybe reading through a module or something right yeah right like champions was that way with me it was like it had the cool little thing where you could have the outline Mm -hmm. of a a body and then you could like make your own costume on it Mm -hmm. and do all sorts of crazy things oh yeah you know that was my favorite part but that's just maybe i thought that that was just me no no i think i listen they didn't have those things in libraries because people were actually playing the games, Ben. Yeah. They, they had them there because nerds like us needed books to check out and read. Right. Right. Um, no, I, I made many a Marvel superhero using using that system. Um, but the, the James Bond one, the, the top secret RPG, you know, I remember it being really, really concerned with how loud you were being. Yeah. Like, like you were, you were, you, they always wanted to know how loud were you being. Right. Like to the point where each gun had a different loudness. Okay, and then also like like where I mean I wasn't one hundred percent. I mean I had top secret, but it was mostly for the like I said the tech, right? Looking at the the manual kind of thing, right? Did it have things with your um, the different stuff that you wore, like your shoes? Was there a noise value associated right. with your shoes and what you were wearing? And if you were wearing something that was silk, right. did it make noise? Did they get that detailed or did they? I don't remember. it. I See, I remember I remember there being penetration values. Um, parental advisory, this podcast, Megan Tang language, not uh, suitable for uh, 13 and under. There were penetration values. Uh-huh. Um, like armor rating, right? Kind of things. Right, right. And I want to say there was like some kind of camo value or something. Basically, it was a measure of how well you could blend into a given environment. Yeah, you know. Don't you think, as far as most most role playing games, that a lot of there's too much stock put into the system and not enough into the creation aspect or like the storytelling aspect. Well, I mean, that's that was my, always my problem. It's like if I'm playing a role playing game with someone who's put a lot of thought into it, mm-hmm. 
I kind of the dice rolls and things are secondary. All the all the mechanics and stuff is secondary to me because I'm so engaged in the, in the experience. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with that. I I have an extremely Are you ready for a blistering hot RPG take? Okay. From a middle-aged white dude? Sure. Okay. Everything after character creation in an RPG is an exercise in diminishing returns. I let me let me hold on. Let me think about that for a second, because mm-hmm. I would tend to agree. Um, I would tend to agree as far as traditional role playing games, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I don't necessarily. I think there are many examples out there of video games. Not to get into video games yet, but um, that where video games do it well. You know oh, I, mean? I think video games do it much better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and listen, there are good dungeon masters and bad dungeon masters. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the linchpin. Yeah, right. It's if you got a good dungeon master who puts a lot of effort into it and will continue and not kind of force you in one direction. Well, right? yeah, and and you got to have players who want to play the same way. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, you really do have to have a special alchemy to make an RPG session fun. Right. Right. And everybody's got to kind of put equal sweat into it. I mean, uh, combat is arguably the least interesting part of RPGs. Right. I mean, rolling the dice is, is very much the least interesting part, unless something unexpected happens. Right. You know, and then it can be fun to kind of story and role play your way out of that. Yeah. Is that what you liked about Disco Elysium? <sighs> you know what? Maybe this is for another show, because we're not really talking about spies. But it sort of fits in, because it's sort of a mystery kind of you got to uncover something it's, but it's peripherally but but i mean yeah, is that is I that mean, kind of i the thing i liked about disco elysium is yeah i mean it's i don't know man that's a weird game i still have trouble talking about that game but i thought you said it was your favorite of the year it was it was it was my game of the year but i will never play it again okay i will never play it again uh-huh. I, I just i don't that's like that's like me in the movie seven that's right yeah that's right it was i watched it never gonna watch it again don't need to yeah exactly and i feel the same way about disco elysium i thought i I really liked what it was trying to do with making the player character behave the way the player wanted them to behave my problem is that ultimately it never settles on an authorial point of view and ultimately, it doesn't really let the player settle an authorial point of view. Uh-huh. So what you end up with is somebody who, to their credit, can react in a variety of situations, right? It's not like they're just picking an alignment and you have to play as that alignment, making that choice throughout the game. You know, you can and, and will and should, you know, react differently to different situations based on how the situation specifics are striking you. Right. But it's impossible to get a cohesive narrative out of that. Right. From a from a player perspective, mm-hmm. because you will make decisions based around your player about the player character that you are, and you are to some degree telling their story through their opinions, right? Um, and but, so, is, and so, is the, your inner voices change too, as part, yeah, which is a weird dynamic, which I think could be done in more, you know, could be done, have some interesting things to contribute to to the story, but it still has to be about the story. Yeah, but my my problem. With this Disco Elysium, and I just couldn't. I try. I've tried about half a dozen times to get into it, but I don't identify with the character. 
I don't care about the fact that he's drunk. I just get bored of his story because it's like, well, I'm, you know, I don't really care what this guy. Inception. It's kind of like Inception. Mm -hmm. The reason I didn't like the movie Inception was for that reason. I couldn't identify with the character. He's a thief. So who cares if he's in a dream and in a dream and a dream? Because I just don't, I don't identify with him. I don't care about him. So therefore, right. It's a pretty movie, but yeah, you know, but that's the same way I felt about Disco Elysium was there's nothing to connect me to that character. Yeah. And I think ultimately it was that combined with the sort of, I don't know. It's a pretty bleak worldview. Oh yeah. You know, that the game posits. In right. This, you know, I give it all the credit in the, in the world for build for its world building. Yeah. It, it seems like it did a, like a very Tolkien esque kind of. Oh like, yeah. Apparently it, took... it was based off the, the developer's own homebrew D and D campaign oh, wow. that they've been playing for years, which explains a lot. Right. right? Um, but you know, ultimately I just think its point of view was, a little too nihilistic for me, uh-huh. like a little too much of the decay. Right. And too much of a sense that things were shitty, things got shittier, things will always be shitty. Right. I am a shitty person or I'm a person who's trying to be less shitty. Right. And so, so life. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and if you, Cheryl, Cheryl, our historian, if she could check the, the archives um, in the podcast we did about the Sims, uh-huh. Right. Where I railed on and on about how who the hell wants to play a game about life. Right. I got the same problem with Disco Elysium. Right. Is things are shitty enough in the real world. Right. For me to go around this other shitty world being unable to solve its problems. Like right. I am all about noir, uh-huh. you know, film noir. You know, I love Pulp Detective. Right. I get that there's not always a happy ending. Right. But it's still an interesting thing that you're a, a, a goal that you're trying to. You know, something you're trying to unwrap. Exactly. And the point is, you know, you salvage something on a personal level, even if the macro has gone shit. Right. And there's just no sort of, like, none of that redemption really tracked for me in Disco Elysium. Yeah. I was a piece of shit at the beginning of the game, and I was a piece of shit at the end of the game. Yeah. Who may or may not have killed himself. I'm not really sure. Yeah. The end got a little watery. Right. Right. As I would expect from that. But I mean, a lot of the mechanics and things that they used were pretty interesting. I like the fact that it, a lot of the voice acting was in there. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like a, a very large amount of and voice they, acting. And they just released the director's cut, right? Where Which everything has, is voice acted now. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Huh. I wonder if that's the one that's available on PlayStation because I just saw one. I'm not going to, I'm not going to rebuy it, but. No, I mm-hmm. think that at least on Steam, if you owned the original, you got the director's cut for free. Yeah, interesting. Well, maybe if I try playing it a, an eleventh time, eleventh <laughs> um, times a charm. Eleventh times a charm. That's what they know. say. But anyway, let's get back to what we we're talking about, which is spy. Spy. Um, so when you think of spy movies, we talked about what you think about when you think about a spy. Right. Um, first thing that pops into my head. Nothing. I oh, was just okay. making up a song called When I Think About a Spy. You're doing it very Tom Jonesy. Thunderbolt! Yeah, exactly. That's kind of a uh, foreshadowing moment. Yeah, of course. Behold the Four of Shadow. The Four of Shadow. Which is your card? This is your... <laughs> the Four, the of, four shadow. of Shadows. Ooh, it sounds like a Disco Elysium bullshit tarot reading. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, um, when I think of Spy, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but... Uh, do you remember Mad Magazine? Uh, do I remember Mad Magazine? Right. I mean, where else was a 
was a young Chris to go to get his caricatured portrayals of the latest Elliot Gould movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some. Remember when Elliot Gould made movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Was, that. Story that was, days. All right. Like the the Devil and Max Devlin. Oh, I love the Devil and Max Devlin. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a classic. Yeah. The Long Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Mash. But, yeah, of course, Mash. Definitely. That was kind of like what put him on the map, right? Right. Anyway, let's not get into Elegate Gould. Right. Or as I like to call him, the rich man's George Siegel. Let's see. Um, What were you going with? You said, you asked if I remembered Mad Magazine. Oh, Mad Magazine. Spy versus Spy, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the black and the white. Yep. The the two spies Mm -hmm. who were trying to just basically kill each other. That was the whole thing. That was the whole gag. That was the whole thing was... You have one. You never knew which one was evil and which one was good, right? Because well, they both did the. I mean, I think I think you've stumbled upon the statement relevant to our times, right? 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 Were there any good guys in Spy versus yeah, Spy? Yeah, there weren't. And to and they made a game about it, which was just basically kind of like you had to poison your buddy or poison right. that dude or whatever, and. I don't know. I didn't really understand what the whole point of the game was. Other that was than for to... NES. Was that an NES? No, game? I think it was on. I want to say they made a version for the Commodore sixty four. Even really, yeah. I want to say that. I don't, I'm not sure. It sounds like a game I would have rented for the NES. Yeah. Well, it was very. You know, it was just like a split screen thing where yeah. it's like at the top was the and you had all these buttons on the side where you could you know do different things to. Right. Yeah, you could you drop the bomb and yeah. box it in. But to me, that's like, well, where's the story in this? Right. It was just that. It was. You ever read highlights? <laughs> Only where, the doctor's. Where else office. would a young Chris go to get the latest caricatured updates on the latest Elliot Gould movie? <laughs> <I mean, laughs> yes. If it wasn't mad, it had to be in highlights. Highlights and, magazine. Fuck, yeah. Fucking goofus. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So that's that's the thing. That's where I was going. Right. When I think spy versus spy, goofus and gallant. Is it Gallant? Is it Gallant? I don't know. I always called him Gallant because really, yeah, because Goofus Gallant sounds too obvious. So I just call him Goofus and Gallant. What, Goofus is the height of subtlety. Well, <laughs> but I mean that's that's at least that's that's a non thing, right? Goofus. Now I want to know what the correct pronunciation of Gallant is because when you say Gallant, I feel like it's like you're introducing a car, like the new Mitsubishi Gallant. Oh, maybe that's where they got it from highlights i don't know but now i'm desperate and nora if you're listening to this please write in with uh this week's viewer mail yes uh uh how do you pronounce the word uh gallant yes or gallant she'll probably also ask what highlights is oh, probably i mean she might ask who elliot gould is i mean no i <laughs> think she knows who well, elliot gould all is. of america loves and treasures elliot americans <laughs> and my theory on goof this is uh, we're going way off the rails here so Goofus and Gallant, like you say it, Goofus and Gallant, I'll just say it the way you say it. Uh, Goofus and Gallant, I always thought that, you know, there should be a thing very similar to the Venture Brothers, mm-hmm. where, you know, that's kind of a take on um, Johnny Quest, right? right? It's mm-hmm. kind of the Johnny Quest grown up kind of scenario, right? right. Like, well, my thought was, uh, why don't you do a Goofus and Gallant grown up thing and where... 
the rule breaker is the one who's more well balanced. So Goof is like well balanced. He's very successful. He's got a family now. Everything's just cool. He's got this. You're, he's you're got not going to believe sense this. of balance and you're, everything. You're not going to believe this. I would almost guarantee you that was like a cutaway gag on a Family Guy episode. Seriously, I know that I've seen that concept animated somewhere, huh. before, but I can't place it. Yeah, yeah, that that would make sense that they would make fun of that. But that's like, yeah, and then uh, Gallant is like got a coke problem right it's like you know hookers and all sorts of like crazy crazy shit going on with him and he's really hyper and maybe it was harvey birdman i can't remember where i saw it interesting i should look that up then you should but anyway uh that's way off so spy versus spy then is really where young ben well that's where that's not where so it's what i remember right i remember that's like that's like because it's i'm a i'm a very I'm a very visual person, so that's an easy thing for me to put a visual. It's a very sim- small, you know. It's a very, s- very simple image. Right. The the little bird like black characters, and white and, black yeah, and white, triangle pointy noses. Yeah, so. very easy to draw yourself. Not that yeah, I ever did that yeah. or ever wrote it in any of my notebooks at school or so anything. So you, you drew them a lot. I did a little flip, like. Did you really? Yeah, like Did little, you little uh, animated flip books? Well, not animated. What I would do is I do a whole page where uh, it would be one of the spies mm-hmm. getting into it's kind of like a um, Rube Goldberg esque okay. kind yeah. of things yeah. where it's like he would walk this distance and then a thing would fall on him and yeah, then he'd yeah, jump yeah. out of the way and he'd jump on sort of like an impossible machine type, yeah, type thing. Yeah, kind yeah. of like that. But That's great. Yeah, I used to draw those all That's the time. That's fantastic. I used to uh, doodle the Starship Enterprise movie version not tv version ah on brand for you i think knowing you right yeah um maybe we can talk about that during our space episode space but you know what let's talk about spice for once in this spy themed episode i don't i don't let's turn our attention to the ostensible subject of the hour also television shows like the man from uncle was always like yeah the americans yeah more recently yeah it was a fantastic show um and then there's the wild wild west they were kind of spy u.s government they were agents mission impossible yeah mission impossible definitely definitely that top secret with val kilmer that was a movie though it was a damn fine movie i know a little german he's right right over there there. yeah Yeah. this is not mel torme yep that's was that Zucker Abrams Zucker also? Yes, it was. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah. And and featured in the background of one scene of the movie Summer Rental with John Candy. Oh, uh, when it's the day that it's raining and they all go to the movies. That's what's playing at the theater. Is, wow, is top secret poster. Yeah, little Easter egg. Maybe did 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 Zucker do Summer Rental? I don't know. Interesting. I I, I looked at them. Uh, there was a a friend of the pod uh, that did an episode recently at uh, for your reference podcast they recently saw um airplane for the very first time really yeah wow and they absolutely loved it well couldn't sure. stop well but there there's some things that could be triggering in there and some things that like we we think of those things these days we don't really we yeah. put our put our 80s perspective on those and don't see them but they pointed those out yeah. but said that for them, this is really interesting to me, was they knew it, they were in it for the, they knew what the movie was about from the first scene. Right. Where it was the two people arguing 
about the the you know, the, the the red zone white over zone. the airport phone. Yeah, yeah. And when they brought up abortions, right? That's when they go, okay, this movie has set the tone. We know what we're going to expect. You know, b- people being able to go back and experience things that we thought was you know were awesome back in the day. Just a good feeling. Yeah. It's just like you know. Yeah. Um. It's all in your point of view. Yep. Point of view. Like North by Northwest, uh, another uh, and one of the great spy movies. Yes, despite its main character not actually being a spy, right? I mean, he spoiler was an, alert for he was, an eighty-year-old movie, right? But. Right. He was an advertising executive or something, right? That's right. Uh, Cary Grant, mm-hmm. directed by Alfred. Hitchcock. Oh, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, wasn't James Mason? He was the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. James Mason. And uh, who was? Uh, wasn't uh, Martin? Was Martin Landau was in it too? I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I think so. Anyway, that that was um I've got a little personal story behind that. We used to go to my dad's house and he would take us, you know, one of the things we would do is we'd rent a movie every time we we're out there. Sure. And he would ask us each to pick a movie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we went to the video rental store and we were looking around at all the new stuff, you know, it was like the eighties, so you know, trying to figure Stroker out Stroker Ace or Cannonball right, Run. Right, right. Something like the that. The devil's choice. Something something that we wanted to see that my mom would not let us right. see. Porkies. Porkies, definitely. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever. Sure. The the kid who was at the counter at the time probably was one of these like, you know, um like sort of film elitists of the time. Right. But he had on North by Northwest. Mm-hmm. And it was the sequence with the, the biplane the crop chasing duster. Yeah, the crop mm-hmm. duster chasing him through a field. And I saw that and I was just staring at it. I was like, What's that movie? What's that one? That you know? Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, it's North by Northwest. It's Alfred Hitchcock. It's a classic. And and I was like, we got to rent that one. That's right. the one we got to rent. Right. And ever since then, ah, geez, I was like probably like eleven or twelve. Really loved that movie. That's that's a great story. Yeah, that's a great story. It's funny how people get into the older things like that. Yeah, and like, that kind of you know right like like with the airplane thing, mm-hmm. right? If I if I think about that, it's kind of that's sort of the. That's the thing that made me think of that was was kind of like, you know, how times change. But still, if it's a classic, it's a classic. Oh, I remember distinctly, you know, wanting to get close to a girl when I was 13 years old. And and she came over to my house after school and I wanted to we wanted to watch a movie. Right. Um, And, you know, so I remember asking mom, hey, what's a what's a good romantic movie we should watch? And she said, oh, eh, Casablanca. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, all right, I guess. Uh, to the point where I was, it was the first time I'd ever seen Casablanca. I was so enthralled with the movie. I totally missed the fact that the girl fell asleep an hour in. Like, <laughs> at the end, I was like, this is this is like the greatest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And she was Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Well, we yeah. don't we don't really share that anyway. Yep. So yeah, but it's it's interesting how people kind of break into the older generation of films. Right. Right. And it's 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 really it's kind of comforting that there's that mm-hmm. availability. Yeah. Um, my my son just watched Chinatown for the first time. Oh, ever wow. Last week. Cool. Yeah, I try and introduce to the young people some of my favorite movies. Um, the young people. Yeah, like Brainstorm. Dreamscape. No, not Dreamscape. Brainstorm. Which is the one? Well, Dreamscape's the one with Dennis Quaid and the snake Christopher Plummer. Correct. Right? But okay. that's that's not but Brainstorm a good is the... movie. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Brainstorm is the one. That's with... the Natalie Wood one? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, that's the okay. one where Natalie Wood And Christopher died. Walken? Yep, Christopher Walken, Natalie Wood. It was kind of a cautionary tale that works today, where it was sort of a VR kind of thing, mm-hmm. where they developed this technology which they could hook someone up mm-hmm. to a machine that will record that's what right. they smell, what they feel, what they, you know, what they that's do. Right. And then you could play it back and the people who were wearing the, you know, the It was the like headgear. the prequel to Strange Days. Yeah. And VR, right? And it's kind of a cautionary tale of all the different things that could happen. Like, you know, there was a dude who was like saying, hey, you got to try this tape. And it was a sex loop. And right. this guy looped it. So it, and he just like, I'm better than I once was. And all sorts of weird sort of like, if you can look past the dated technology. Sure then you've got a great oh, movie there. Well, yeah. I mean, remember, I mean, up until, gosh, probably 1984 or 1985, remember, everybody in the movies was convinced that a computer had to have a thousand blinking LEDs on it. Right, right. You know, and then comes... Don't forget about the reel-to-reel tapes. And the, the reel-to-reel tapes. And then comes along War Games, and it turns out the AI that's going to kill us all looks like a photocopier. Right. I mean, right. the Whopper was not, was not a, a, an imposing figure. Do you remember what that acronym meant? Uh, wartime operational programmable response. Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'll get into the know. acronyms I know Why? when we get into our because it was W O P R, right? Yeah, yeah. I, or were there two P's? No, I'm pretty sure there was one P. I don't know. There were two P's in the Mad Magazine satire of it. Okay. To bring it all back to Mad Whopper. Magazine. Yeah. Was the was the king there? The king. The Burger King. Oh, I don't. I don't no, think so. No. That seems like a low hanging fruit there. Well, I think they did refer to it as the Whopper W H O P P E R. Okay. In the Mad Magazine right. version of board games. Yeah. Uh, why do I? Why do I have the? Urge we haven't to, talked a damn bit about spies, have we? You know what? I have the urge. Well, why, War Games is kind of that, right? It's kind of like War Games is sort of like it's global destruction there's not spies involved but they're computers that are doing things on behalf of governments clandestinely it's i know that's can a stretch I, can, I, can i do my uh war games impersonation sure greetings professor falcon oh do you want to hear mine sure go ahead. fine <laughs> that's a, that's nice yeah nice. listen impressions are good when they're just one word the 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 least amount you if you can if you can you know uh, boil down an impression to just one word right right that's the best yeah i agree i agree you know like impressions are like improv right it should be as short as possible right and and this is where this is where i'm going to transition to the most iconic spy that we know by doing my impression oh here we go of sean connery you are in for a treat ladies and gentlemen Excellent. There you go. That's I it. was just pausing for applause. Okay. I, you gotta, you gotta let the reader, the reader, give them some yeah. time. Okay. The reader, the viewer, you know, the the candlestick maker, the consumer, whoever's on the consumer, yeah, whoever's on the other end of this microphone. Hello, America. Hello, everyone's favorite spy, James Bond. You know, is he? I is mean, he? Because I feel like I feel like maybe most popular. Everyone's most popular. Certainly the most bankable spy. Right. Yeah. yeah definitely the, the probably the one biggest in the in the zeitgeist. Recognizable. Yeah. Right. Most recognizable. Most iconic. Right. You know. For sure. 
I mean, although there are some that are, you know, they're giving him a run for his money, like the, I guess the impossible, uh, the Mission, Mission Impossible, impossible stuff. That's, yeah. that's definitely spy stuff. Um, you know, but I think, you know, James Bond, Ian Fleming, like that kind of, did you ever read any of the Ian Fleming I novels? did, I did, and they're incredibly racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's no getting around it. Right. And there's also, yeah. like, and they're also very sexist, too. Oh, I, Like, incredibly. Like, I, the movies, too. I've rewatched some of those movies that are the older ones. Oh, and it's, like, yeah. butt slapping yeah. and all oh, sorts of things. It's, it's, it's mean, like, inappropriate to do in the workplace. It is, it is basically, you know, you could, you could categorize accurately the Sean Connery Bond movies as basically a workplace PSA of do any of this and you will get fired. Right. I mean, right. It's, it's that bad. Right. That said, he fills out a suit pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, That's... but to their credit, I think later James Bond films tried to grapple with that in some respects. Correct. At least starting with, with Judy Dench, you know, when she took over as M, you know, they, they definitely called that shit for what it was head on. Right. To their credit, I think. Yeah, exactly. And And not in a way that made it obvious. Like, hey, we're becoming more... Yeah, yeah, you know, it was definitely a more reflection of no. If if any is, sane person were to look at you in your behavior today, they'd say you're you're an asshole. Right. But that being said, I mean these things were the movies racist or um, or otherwise. Although a lot of them, yeah, kind I mean, of there's that. some there's some bad stuff there. There there's the, the going to Japan and becoming the samurai. Yeah. It, that's not. Yeah, that's that's not, not that's good, not, man. That's not right. <laughs> it just should that's not have not been right. done. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the voodoo stuff in in uh, it's a little live bit. and let die yeah. is not good, man. Right? Were we insensitive then, as as user as viewers? Were we? Oh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I was negative one when live and let die came out. So. Right. Well, but I mean, like as we're. we're you know we can we can appreciate for the, the movie for what it is and set aside some things i, I will compartmentalize, say i will say when of. i was a kid and i watched uh you only live twice uh-huh. which was the the one where he goes and becomes a samurai right samurai in air quotes because really what they do is just point his eyebrows like, god you can't even describe yeah it it's pretty awful terrible. yeah um I, when i watched that as a kid having just discovered james bond i there was no part of me at that time as a must have been nine or ten uh-huh. that recognized that as racist right like there was nothing inside me saying that ain't right right you know it would be you know some years later before i could look at it and go jesus who signed off on this right right so, and there are a lot of things like that too, oh there's right? a ton of stuff like that I, yeah. I mean i listen i was a huge hp lovecraft fan growing up you know reading his stories and then you find out ooh, that guy was a shit bird Right. And then it becomes, you know, then you get into the whole art and artist kind of thing. I don't right. want to go there necessarily. But, yeah, no, there's a ton of stuff that you come across with, you know, as a kid. And it just appeals to you because it's cool. or, or Right. You know, it, right. Or you don't see certain things. Yeah, because you're or, not aware of the ramifications right. or the deeper meanings. Right. Of, right. You, you And that's that's kind of the, the joy and the beauty of being young is the fact that you've got some youthful sort of innocence. Yeah. And I think that's why it makes it hard to let those things go as people do get older. Right. And they do need to grapple with some of that stuff right. and say, you know what? Yeah, I get everybody likes Cthulhu and tentacles, but maybe we should stop basing a lot of these properties off some racist 
screeds against miscegenation. Right. <laughs> right. Know? The racism is so baked in. Can right. we just find something else to do? But people have trouble letting go of that stuff that they discovered in their youth because they do form attachments to it. Right. Right. You know, you know I'm not emulating James Bond. I'm not slapping people on the butt. Right. Although well, well, listen, I saw what you did before the show and uh, let's just not have any of that again. That was to myself, though. That made it even weirder. Okay. Uh, yeah, but you're not, uh, you know, I, I love Indiana Jones. Are there problematic aspects to Indiana Jones? Yeah. Hells yes. Yeah. Right. But, you know, that's not going to squash the part of me that's a kid that says, yeah, I like watching Raiders of the Lost. Right. Story. Let's now switch gears to talking about who our favorite Bonds yeah. through history are. Yeah. Um, we all have an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Least favorite to most favorite actor who portrayed James Bond. Oh, oh, I was I was all set to come out of the shoot with Gary U.S. Bonds, but you're talking about the spy. Yeah. Movies. yeah. Least favorite. I mean, it's. Do we let, count old let, Sean Connery as a different Bond than young Sean Connery? Oh, you mean as far for, as for never say never no, again? No, no, we're not going to we're not going to split that particular yeah, no. hair. All right. Then I've got to go. Least favorite was Roger Moore. OK. Um, My least favorite was Pierce Brosnan. OK. And then check and meet. Yeah, and I'm sorry if I, I, I know that that was that was of your time, right? The Pierce Brosnan Bond, the GoldenEye. Yeah, yeah, that was when the big reintroduction in the '90s. Yeah, um, I what being mean my time. You're not that much older than I am. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, my let's time. Uh, well, yeah. My generation, as opposed my, to yours, that right, that that incalculable six year gap. Right, between us right. yeah that okay. makes me a gen x and makes you a i'm a gen x, gen x. yeah right yeah. anyway so you hate pierce brosnan right well no i don't hate pierce brosnan that's literally what I you think, just said no he's my least favorite bond it's literally and, like saying you hate the man no okay because let me just let me let me follow it up by saying okay. i think he's an excellent actor yeah uh, in the matador did you ever see the I matador, did see the matador i thought that he, was a wonderful i, movie. I would agree yeah I mean, he's he is. I would, a, he would also play the same sort of uh, character in uh, the Tailor of Panama, right? And then Remington Steele was kind of where we got the introduction to him, yeah. which is where everyone thought right. he needed to be James Bond. Which I was like, eh. I thought it was a pretty good James Bond, personally. Yeah. No. Well, anyway, I mean, clearly. You so disagree. we'll see. We'll see where he ends up in your rankings. We will. But let's we go will, next. Ben. We will. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, the Next least favorite. The next least favorite for me is mm-hmm. Roger Moore. Okay. So I'm, I'm on board with that. Okay. And then for you? Uh, after Roger Moore, I mean, I really, you know, I don't want, I don't want him to take this personally. So if he's listening, you know, please don't take this personally. Cause I think a lot of this is largely a function of the scripts that you got. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, Timothy Dalton. Really? I really. Oh really. my I know. gosh. I know. I know. I knew I was going to get that reaction. I, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Neither of his Bond movies do I find particularly watchable. Why is that? Um, I think that they don't give him enough time to grow into the character. Mm. I think The Living Daylights is a good premise that ultimately ends up going on way too long. Right. Which, frankly, and let's just state for the record, there has never been a Bond movie made that couldn't stand to have 20 minutes cut from it. Right. Are we agreed on that? Yeah. Like every Bond movie is at least 20 minutes too long. 
Um, License to Kill that could have been amazing. I think it was. It absolutely could have been amazing, but they didn't get to follow it up. Right. But that was because contractually. Right. Oh, I understand why. But, you know, I like the idea of Bond on a revenge mission. Right. You know, this time it's personal. You know, some of the wackier elements, you know, Wayne Newton. Yeah. uh, The shark. Right. uh, Robert Davi, who, you know, was in basically every movie as a bad guy at that point. Right. Right. And Um, then, uh, of course, let's not forget a young, very young Benicio Del Toro. That's right. That's right. A teenager, Mm -hmm. like just a little kid. I just, I remember seeing that movie, uh, I went that summer it came out. Was that 89 or 87? 80, I don't know. I, I don't know why I want to say 88, but I think. Maybe it was 88. It's somewhere, somewhere in the late 80s. I remember going to movies, see that, see it that summer. And I was just struck by how little, how, how there weren't the typical Bond action sequences right. in that movie. Well, I think that they were trying to do a departure. They were trying to do oh, a darker I, bond. Yeah, they were. And and I think Timothy Dalton is the Daniel Craig of that. Like, he was trying to do a darker bond at a time when no one wanted a darker bond. I will say this. And I think Jane, Timothy Dalton matches the bond of the books better than anybody else right. who's played him. Well, he's also a fabulous actor. He is. I mean, you know, classically trained. and Flash Gordon. <clears throat> well... I think he was awesome in Flash Gordon. Oh, I, I, that wasn't sarcasm. Okay. I, I'm okay. I'm deadly serious. Yeah, You're probably the best best actor in that movie too. Max von Sydow. Oh, come yeah. on, man. He's good. Come on, man. He's good. Topol. Yeah. So anyway, let's go back to uh, uh, the order. So let's just, just say the, let's just say the rest of them, and then we'll debate yeah, over the top. Because people don't give a shit, really. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> let's just say you're. Let's just go. Just do your whole list, and I'll do my whole list. And uh, if there's for, any kind of things, for, for my money, I mean, if if I'm picking a Bond movie at random, you know, it's going to be either Sean Connery or Daniel Craig. Okay, that I reach for, yeah, nine times out of ten. Right. For me, my order as far as best to worst, Timothy Dalton is my favorite, sure. um, and then followed by James Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, followed by Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. And then uh, go Sean Connery. Sean Connery next. George Lazenby. Lazenby, and then who's who may have the best batting percentage out of all the Bonds. Like he made one movie, right? And it was pretty great. Yeah. And then he, you know, didn't make any more. I liked I liked the story of that movie too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just as far as yeah. like James Bond married, and then they kill his wife. Right. Right. Well, I, I mean, you know, it was by far the most personal thing that had ever happened to James Bond at that point. Right. Oh, I love Honor Majesty's Secret Service. It's got one of the best titles, too. Yeah. What about the best theme song of James Bond? Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? Before we go forward, let's let's let give you your list. No, let's, that was pretty much the list. I mean, I think I named them all at that point, didn't I? No, just go, go top Connery, to bottom. Daniel your favorite Craig. is Sean Connery, Daniel Craig. It's a toss-up between those two. I'm a Pierce Brosnan fan. I, yeah, you know, clearly. Again, Maybe that was just my generation. Another guy who didn't get great scripts, honestly. Right. The first one, Goldeneye, was clearly the best. When I checked out on Pierce Brosnan was when he had the invisible... The car. Yeah. Yeah, with the stealth the, car. Yeah. That, that. The car that Let me put it this snow. way. The Pierce Brosnan era did not end well. Yeah. I mean, that was with the Madonna theme song and the North Korean general with all the diamonds in his face. Right. <sighs> anyway. Sorry, where was I? 
favorite Bond. But like movie. Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies is a pretty good Bond film, actually. With Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Did 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 your like of um, Goldeneye have anything to do with the game? No, actually, I never played the game until I was much much older. Right. Okay. Until I uh, actually, I never played the game until my son bought it uh as when it was released i want to say on the playstation network in uh-huh. a remaster or a remake or something that was the first time i'd ever played goldeneye um so i never got in on that sweet sweet nintendo action yeah because that was the that right was that the was the big deal right yeah um but no i goldeneye was was the movie that came out that summer it kind of reintroduced bond he'd been away since license to kill so i right. think he'd been away for like six seven years i yeah. want to say weird contractual uh, right. things going on with that where it's like um, he was there was like a writer strike that occurred that yeah. allowed Timothy Dalton to get out of his contract and right. So I mean, there was a lot of hype for Goldeneye when it when it finally came out. Yeah, I mean, because it was oh can, yeah, because it's been a long time coming. Can do me a favor. Let's do a quick time check. Okay. Do you have the time? Uh. <laughs> Hang on, we'll ask Cheryl. Five, Cheryl, it's it's five twelve. Is it really? Yeah. Holy shit! I am late. Okay, let's go. I, you know what? We're gonna make, we're gonna carve this bitch up in two. Oh gosh, that sounded so, <laughs> so offensive. We're gonna, we're gonna carve this puppy up in. No, we can't see that either. Um, we're gonna split this mother right down. God, how do you say this without sounding like a psychopath? Uh, we're going to. Why don't we make we're gonna, this a two-part spectacular? We're, we're gonna cut this off right now. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. We're gonna, um, we're gonna slice. You know what? We're going to we're we're divide this we're show. We're going to divide this show. We're going to polarize this we're, show. We're going to segregate the show. Oh, no, wait, no. Damn it. <laughs> part two coming next week. Yes. Part two coming next week. And this is a goodbye for me and a goodbye from Chris because he's getting up and he's walking out the door right I, now. <laughs>